We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Let's go. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast. With the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, I'm Chris Plank. We have a producer and a director and like a graphics person. This show is blowing used up. Used to be such a simple concept. We this would sit podcast. in that room with it with the webcam and I was on the it. couch. Look at this. This is big. I was wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> I am wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. I'm the un- now we underdressed cast one. Uh, Zach Tilly, our director, Meg McDonald, our producer, welcome in. We're so excited you chose to sit around with us for a while and talk some Sooner football. As always, thank you for subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. You can find all episodes at Soonersports.com slash podcast, including the Lincoln Riley Press Conference in its entirety right now in the archives. Um, wow, what a Saturday. If you left early, then uh, you knock it off. You kind of missed something a little bit crazy near the end. I was trying to imagine how many people on a Saturday night, because that was a pretty long first half. And <laughs> by the time you got midway through the third quarter, I would imagine there were some people that might have been spent from some of the early mm-hmm. games with Minnesota Penn State, uh, Alabama LSU, that might have just crashed. And then you wake up to see, whoa, what happened at the end of the Oklahoma Iowa State game? I was at a doctor's office today, and my doctor came in and he said, I'm not going to lie, I was one of those people. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, six minutes to go in the game. My kids were cold. I thought we had it. We left. We listened to the end of the game on the radio. So well, I'm, I'm glad they listened on hey, the radio. Hey, at least they made a good call to listen That's to it right. on the radio. They really knew what was going on. But it got, it got a little hairy. It, it really did. You know, and before we we got topics, every week we got topics that we like to get into. We're going to talk about what happened in the fourth quarter. We're going to touch on CD Lamb. Uh, bottom line here is the great Al Davis once said, just win, baby. We've got some injury updates we'll get to, and we'll preview Baylor and give our projections for the Ford team playoff. And as always, we want to hear from you. We're live on Facebook and Twitter right now, at OU on the air. Facebook, uh, I assume we're on the football page. You might want to check that out as well, too. And at OU Athletics. Any question you got, drop them. We'll pilfer through them and find the best ones and answer them when we wrap up. So just drop any question you have. We'll do our best to get it answered. But, you know, Rufus threw out a tweet that kind of started to get viral amongst the Sooner Nation about, hey, you, you beg for primetime games, we're tired of 11 a.m. games, and you get to the fourth quarter of a primetime game and everybody's gone. Um, that's probably unfair. I shouldn't say everybody. But, again, it, it got a little chilly. I can understand with kids, you might want to leave a little bit early, but that was a, 
that was kind of a, a, an interesting point brought up by Rufus, but one that even Lincoln Riley addressed today and said, hey, listen, it doesn't matter uh, who's there and who isn't. We still got to go out and execute as, as, as team. I, I'm going to say I don't think anybody handled the fourth quarter very well Saturday <laughs> night, myself included. Uh, the offense turned it over a couple of times, uh, gave Iowa State some short fields. Um, defense was too easy to score on there in that big comeback attempt. Um, you know, I think Lincoln has admitted he didn't like his play calling there down the stretch. I, I, I'm not super happy with the uh, radio call on the two-point conversion try. I and, want to defend you on and, that. And, uh, and a lot of the fans left early. So I would like to just say in uh, two weeks, we know it's going to be a TCU. It's either going to be 2.30 or 7. It's been put on a six-day hold. So whenever it is, I vow to do better in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And, I, and uh, Sooner Nation, let's just collectively, football team, coaches, fans, everybody, we'll do better next time. I want to defend you on the call. Nah, don't, let's don't even talk about it. It's, not, it's, it's fine. I'm fine about it. I loved it. It was hard to see. It was hard to see. And then the Iowa State fans are over there in the corner. Yeah. True or false, Meg was over there cheering too. I don't know. We'll have to check as an Iowa State <laughs> alum. But <laughs> they, went, they went nuts. They yeah. went nuts over in the corner, and you thought, I couldn't did he find catch the ball. that? Yeah. The first the thing you do is you always look for the ball. Who's got the ball? I couldn't find the ball. It looked like it hit the Iowa State guy in the belly. It did. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't on the ground, and everybody turned their backs to us. And uh, so it took a second. It didn't take as long as it felt like. It felt like forever, but we found it. To answer the question what happened in the fourth quarter, the Sooners turned the ball over a couple times. And, you know, he just – Yeah. It, 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 I think they got complacent. A little bit complacent, too. I, I think they tried to milk the clock offensively. They were on the field too much defensively. Iowa State found some things that worked for them, kept hammering OU with that. Boy, the, the tight ends for Iowa State are really good, and, and they hurt Oklahoma big time. Charlie Kohler was a very nice player from Norman North. So, whew, thank your lucky stars there wasn't a fifth quarter because that thing was going the wrong way in a hurry. And uh, – also, thank you to Parnell Motley for making a season-saving play. Can, can I share a story real quick? Mm -hmm. uh, in the first quarter, on the first possession, Parnell Motley dropped an interception. Yeah. That was legit right to him. And one of the cool things about being on the sidelines is you spend a lot of your time behind the benches. I mean, you're, you're legit almost in the huddle. We're not in the huddle. We're not giving away secrets, but we're right there. And when Parnell dropped that interception, you know, Trey Brown kind of leaned over. was like, Parnell. I know it hurts, man. I know it hurts. And you could tell Parnell was mad. I mean, he was hot about it. And he said, get with me after the game. And sure enough, what happened after the game, he made the biggest defensive play of the game. And I literally think he just went right home uh, because we, we couldn't <laughs> find him in the postgame to talk to Parnell. Piemont, I want to talk to you, man. You're awesome. But that was, uh, that was an incredible play to wrap that game up from a guy who had, um, he had a couple holding calls that flags were picked up on. You know, you could sense his frustration he was got building yeah. a couple of times. So, good on, good on Parnell Motley. Good on this defense to stand up when they needed to because, as you mentioned, that was really going south in a, in a quick way in that fourth quarter. I mean, I think there's reason for concern. You know, that's two straight games. They look so good defensively for the first seven games this year, but that's two straight games where they didn't. And they're not getting to the quarterback like they were. Uh, the tackling has gone downhill. It was so good early in the year. Open field tackling, the rallying to the football, all of that seems to have certainly diminished the last couple of weeks. And I, I hope they can get the toothpaste back in the tube because Ooh. it's been, you know, the last few years, they've started well defensively, not this deep into the season, but 
two, three, four games, you think, all right, I think this is a better defense this year. And then they've had a bad game, and then they've just had bad game after bad game after that defensively. So here we are now, seven good games in the books. The eighth game was not a good game defensively. You hoped that was a one-off. Well, here comes another one that wasn't. So hopefully that was a two-off. And, and against Baylor, they can get back. One of the things that gives me hope, I mean, I'm worried like everybody, but one of the things that gives me hope is Kansas State and Iowa State both had, both had a bye week to get ready for them and to scheme them up and to do a lot of things that I think the OU defense struggled with. That won't be the case the rest of the way. Now, yep. it will for a bowl game, but the rest of the regular season and a Big 12 championship, it won't. Well, as you mentioned, they did win the game. We'll talk about the positives of that, but let's talk about the positives of, without a doubt, hands down, the best player on the field Saturday night. CeeDee Lamb finished with 167 yards on eight receptions, scored two touchdowns. Your call on the 63-yarder made up for any concerns you had over the two-point conversion play. He's, he's special, and I know that we get carried away with award conversations sometimes, and I know he's had a couple of games to where there was only a couple of catches, if not just one catch, but that was early in the season. He's been the best player on the field for the last – well, maybe his career whenever he's been in an Oklahoma uniform, but he belongs in this Blitnikoff conversation. And he's a Maxwell Award, what, semifinalist now too. Yeah, I, I can't imagine there's a better wide receiver in America. And um, I think if there was somebody to challenge him, you know, Jerry Judy at Alabama and the kid up the road, uh, Tylen Wallace, who unfortunately now is, is out for the rest of the year. So I think he's going to win him a trophy. And, and the conversations we were having early in the year – about what's wrong with CD, why can't they get the ball to CD seem funny now. But, man, I mean, when he scores, it's not just a run-of-the-mill slant pattern, is it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going up in triple coverage or this, cross-country hurdling guys a, to the two touchdowns against Texas where he's breaking four or five tackles to get in. Uh, he's absurd, and he's starting to look – well, he doesn't – he looks like now a guy who is a man among boys. Like, that guy belongs at the next level. So, um, I can't wait to see what he does Saturday night because Baylor's got some big-time wide receivers as well. I mean, Denzel Mims is a great player. Chris Platt, fast, he can do it too. So, we're going to have some great skill position talent on the field in this one. Yeah, all kinds of crazy numbers. He's tied for the national lead with 13 touchdowns, 109.2 yards per game, which is ninth, though he's only averaging five, yard, or five catches per game which is 68th nationally. So quite a run for CeeDee Lamb. He was a difference maker on Saturday night, which gets us to our next point. As the late, great Al Davis once said, just win, baby. And that's what happened. The Oklahoma Sooners found a way to just win. It's not always pretty. There's an Oklahoma State game where two-point conversion pass was knocked down last year. There was the Army game a couple years back. There was Stephen Parker going Michael Jordan and swatting a two-point conversion out of the air. We've seen instances like this before, Toby, where – Oklahoma finds a way to win, and then you start seeing the momentum build in a different direction. I think it goes one of two ways, and we won't know until the end of the season which way it goes. But you see a lot of times, a lot of times, almost every championship season, Lincoln mentioned this with you in the postgame, um, for Oklahoma, for anybody, there's a game you look back on and say, whew, we got, we got lucky there, we <laughs> survived, and you chronicled a few of them, the TCU game here in 15, the OSU game last year, uh, for Clemson this year, the North Carolina game when it came down to a two-point conversion. Um, and you either are buoyed by that and you play better the rest of the way and you say, we got lucky, now let's take advantage of it, 
or your confidence is shaken and you don't play well the next week. So this is, I mean, this is going to be easy to tell because they're walking into a bear trap, pun very much intended, <laughs> on Saturday night. I mean, it's going to be by the time 6.30 rolls around with ESPN game day being there, with Sooner game day being there, uh, that place is going to be worked into a froth. And if they are at all shaken with their confidence Saturday night, then it's going to be a long night. They're going to, they're going to get punched in the face. Baylor is physical. They're very good defensively, and they are begging for an opportunity to show that they belong in the national college football playoff talk. They're looking for their Penn State. They're looking for their Minnesota win over Penn State. And, uh, and Oklahoma can either be the subject of that, or they can swat it out and say, no, we still rule this conference. Uh, nice try, <laughs> this but was cute. maybe next year. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And Oklahoma remains in the college football playoff talk. So, I mean, come on. It's we'll Monday. Talk, we'll, but we'll talk some specifics about let's Baylor go. coming up here. Isn't that what you always say? Let's go now. Let's go. Let's just go now. <laughs> let's go to Waco. We'll wait by the Brazos. Let's get this thing going tomorrow. Uh, one thing, by the way, in the Just Win Baby thought, it was really good to see Kennedy Brooks get on track. I know that the numbers weren't there in the fourth quarter. I think on the on the fumble by CeeDee Lamb is the first carry of that drive set the Sooners behind the chains. It was like a five-yard loss. 15 carries, 132 yards, a score, had the big 48-yard run, eight yards per carry. You know, Trey and Ramondre both had big-time carries when they got their only carry, but they both got hurt, unfortunately, on it. But it just before we get to injuries, to see Kennedy Brooks get going and yeah. how he got going, I thought that was huge for this team on Saturday. Well, he's, he's obviously going to have to carry a significant amount of the workload now the rest of the way with his running made out. Absolutely. Now, speaking of that, let's talk about the injuries. It was, without a doubt, uh, the biggest night for the injury tent in the short history of the sideline injury tent for the University of Oklahoma. As we learned today during the Lincoln Riley press conference, both Trey Sermon and Kenneth Mann are done for the season. This hurts. I mean, uh, Trey Sermon is a big-time player who has made big-time plays for this team in huge games. And not having him in, I know the last two or three games, it's been a bit of a mystery why we haven't seen him more. But not having him available down the stretch to put games away in the fourth quarter or to help carry the workload hurts. The good news is they're deep at that position. If Ramondre Stevenson is okay, and he was limping around a little bit on Saturday, but uh, T.J. Pledger, I think, is going to get an opportunity to show what he can do late in the season. And the same for Kenneth Mann. This is a senior who has also made huge plays for this team in his career. Mm -hmm. The interception against Army was one of the biggest plays last season. A few years back, he came up with the big hit at Oklahoma State that led to a pick, one of the biggest plays of that season. Now, again, good news, they're deep at that position on the defensive line, so I think they can absorb it and, and be okay. But those two injuries hurt, and now we await you know, the status of some other ones. We, you know, can Adrian Ely go on Saturday? Lincoln says no Grant Calcaterra in all likelihood again, but 
Oh. Ramondre Stevenson was a guy that was banged up. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch in the pregame on Saturday who can and who can't go. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that you brought up the defensive line and the depth there because I was just thinking as I looked at the depth chart here quickly, there's one name that I think it's, in, it's just absolutely huge to start. I, I hate to use the term stepping up, but getting back to some of the flashes we saw early in the season. And one of those is Jalen Redmond. Yeah. You know, I, I just feel like – He can be a game changer. Absolutely. They moved him inside, and he's a little quicker, and he's a little faster there, and that's what they were doing with Kenneth Mann. In fact, I, Dylan Famatawa was kind of rushing from the outside a couple of times on Saturday. Maybe that was just because of the injury situation or a certain alignment. But b- bottom line is, now with Kenneth Mann out, even though he's only played a handful of games this season, he brought a, a steadying force. And I think sometimes – we lose sight of what happens when you lose a veteran guy, a la a John Michael Terry. We, me, me, I'm guilty of this too. We see young talent. We see David Aguebu. We see Nick Benito, and we say to ourselves, oh, they're awesome. And they are. But they're also, young. one's a sophomore, and, yeah. or I'm sorry, one's a freshman, one's a redshirt freshman. I, I think that's why getting Caleb Kelly back out there will be. I agree. Whenever that happens, will mm-hmm. be a vital for this team. And it's always funny too because, and I know Meg's like, we got to go, we got to hustle. I'm sorry, but I'm make this point one more time on the injuries. We started this season wondering, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? How's everyone going to get carries? Look at that room. And Lincoln Riley and Jay Bulware on Coach's Corner, who's on Coach's Corner with us this week, has consistently said, you know, it always works itself out where you end up needing every single body in that room. And sure enough, they have. Sermon's out for the year. Uh, it doesn't look like Marcus Major is going to be able to go. Ramondre Stevenson had that dinged-up ankle, which cost him time on Saturday night. T.J. Pledger... Missed the first part of the season with what appeared to be, based on his Instagram, uh, an issue with his hand. And you know, Kennedy Brooks has had some games where he hasn't had a lot of carries. So that's five deep at the running back position. And, by, and I guess we could include Jalen Hurts as a running back to a certain degree. But we're going to end up needing just about all five of them by the time all is said and done. That's wild. All right, let's talk about the Baylor Bears, shall we? You started touching on it a little bit. Undefeated. They're looking for their Minnesota-esque win over Penn State. Sooners trying to do everything they can to say, "Uh uh-uh, we're still the kings of this conference. They've got a very good quarterback who took a shot late in that game against TCU and Charlie Brewer. They have an outstanding young – well, I can't even say young anymore – experienced defense with some young playmakers. They've overcome losing their best linebacker. Over the last couple of weeks, so Matt Rule's really got it humming right now in Waco, and they've played some tight games this year. Yeah, they've won four games by either a field goal at the buzzer or in overtime, and three overtimes most recently against TCU. I'm a little surprised in how they've gotten it done this year. Same. If you look at their offensive talent, Charlie Brewer, Jermichael Hasty, John Lovett, Denzel Mims, Chris Platt, Tyquan Thornton. There's a bunch of NFL players right there. But it's been the other side of the ball – that they've really hung their hat on. I mean, they have been an outstanding defensive team this year. They are tough to score on. Uh, And they have had some games, including this one against TCU, and they have really struggled mightily on offense. So, in the West Virginia game, they they had a hard time scoring as well. So, that's a bit of a mystery. Um, But, boy, they're well coached. Matt Rule is – what he has done there is unbelievable. And – Still can't uh, believe that was a catch. Uh, that's a great play. <laughs> I, uh, I expect, just like every time we go down there, for this to be physical, for this to be chippy. We'll probably have some talking in the pregame. They'll be hard-hitting. Wouldn't be surprised if there's an ejection along the way. I mean, that just seems like when, when they play, especially in Waco, that's the kind of game it is. And with as much on the line as there is on Saturday, I would expect the same. 
Yadon Lynch. They've got a big-time baller on the defensive line. They've got an attitude about him. They haven't really pulled the, – maybe their most impressive win this year was what they did in Manhattan oh, yeah. to Kansas State and, and how they, they were able they to pull away from them. they pulled away from Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter. That was, uh, that was impressive, too, up in Stillwater. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I, I think it's going to be fun. It's, and as you said, it's different. And when, whenever they first brought in Matt Rule, Matt Rule was known – for a defensive, hard-nosed mindset. In the first couple of years, when you played Baylor, it felt like old Baylor. You know, it felt like uh, we're going to run and gun and we're going to be here all night long because they're going to throw and we're going to throw. And, uh, and now, after a couple of seasons, it feels like he's starting to get his guys in there to play his kind of defense, and you're seeing it for Baylor right now. It's going to be fun. 6.30 with the kick. We'll be on there with a 4.30 pregame. All right, which leads us to, depending on when you're consuming this, if it's live tomorrow night, if you're listening to it on the podcast platform uh, later tonight, Tuesday night, as the four-team playoff rankings will be unveiled. Toby, you go first. How do you see the top four playing out on Saturday? I'm going to go – I think we're the same on the top three. We are. We we are the exact same on the top three. I think LSU is going to be at number one because of their their win over uh, Alabama and Ohio State will be two and Clemson will be three. Um, I'd be shocked if it's not in that order. The question here is who's the fourth team this week? We're just talking about this just week. Just this week. And I'm going to guess it's going to be Georgia. I don't have a strong conviction about that. I like how quickly they had to scroll through the graphics here. That was well done. No, oh. drama- no dramatic. Just boom. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it'll be Georgia. I, I, uh, it could be Oregon. I mean, maybe they'll keep Alabama there because the loss was uh, to LSU. But uh, I think I'm going to guess it'll be Georgia, and then we'll see Oregon and probably Alabama in the five and six spots. Let, let me hustle through mine because Meg said we've got some good questions to All get right. to, and that just warms my heart. Here's my four quickly. Sit up for the camera. At number one, I have LSU. Right. I know that seems shocking, right? We've established the top three are the same. LSU is number yeah. one. Well, I just want to make, make this very clear. Number two is Ohio State, Correct. followed by number three, Clemson. Right. Oh, let me look there. There we go. And my number four? Minnesota. Wow. There were 17 last week. I'm very much living in the now, people. Recency bias at its best. But in all honesty. Supposedly, they start over every week from every scratch. Week, yeah. Every week, you clear the deck. Every week, you start from scratch. You're not supposed to take anything from last week. You go with the now. I do think. You watch, they'll be like 12. I do think, it, you know, <laughs> what really matters here is where's Oklahoma, right? Oh, so yeah. So, they were nine question. last week. I do think they'll go down. Because I think uh, Minnesota and maybe even Baylor mm-hmm. will jump in front of them. I actually hope Baylor jumps in front of them. I do too. Because I think that's motivation. So I think there's a good chance Oklahoma slides to 10 or maybe even 11 this week. All right. We are cutting it close on time, so let's get a few questions in here. And we appreciate it because that's what this podcast is about. And I could imagine in some way, shape, or form, there's been 8,000 different variations of this question. So, Dennis, you get the nice little graphic edition this week. Uh, what's been wrong with the OU defense over the last two games? I, I feel silly talking about this. This is Teddy Layman's this is area territory. of expertise. Uh, I, it's missed tackles. Um, it's trying to do too much at times. Um, you know, Lincoln said they're pressing, trying to come up with a turnover. I think that's part of it. I think teams have schemed them up really well. They're using their aggressive ag- aggression against them. It's all of that in a big ball. And, um, you know. I think that's it. They got to get back. The good news is we know they're capable of playing like they did the first seven weeks because they played like they did the first seven weeks. So we know it's still in there. I thought that Alex Grinch has always said something fantastic 
and I've, it's kind of been my go-to. If you've proven you can stop it once, or if you stop it once, you should be able to stop it over and over and over again. And unfortunately, that hasn't necessarily been the case. And this is a defense that is predicated on turnovers, and we've gone now five games, and it's, what, 10, what would that be, 20 quarters without a turnover because the Neville Gallimore forced fumble came in, what, the fourth quarter? Yeah, September. Of that game mm-hmm. against Texas Tech. And I think they even said, you know, it's uncharted territory for them. So I just – I know this is going to sound – so presumptuous, but in my mind, if Parnell Motley gets that pick to start the game on Saturday night, I just think it's a different story. And I know that's crazy. It does feel like they're the game coming we're really going to have four. Right, where suddenly we're going to be in the post-game show and yeah. Teddy's going to be smiling. It's like, oh, we got <laughs> six turnovers in this game yeah. somehow. So, yeah, but again, it's, it's the question I think on a lot I of people's I think you could mind. say the question that Dennis asked is the elephant in the room. We just need to end the podcast right now. It will not get any better than that Thank here you. this evening. Thank we you. have peaked. We have reached our zenith. Kind of We're proud out. of that one. Well done. Good yeah. job. Thank you. All right. Don't forget, we'll be on the air on Saturday night with a 4.30 pregame show to get you ready for the 6.30 kick. Um, great job by the crew in the booth tonight. Yeah, so, I could heard everything. I heard everything I, they said. There's, from there's the, a uh, headphone over here that here. is cranked Meg's, up. Meg's having for a party minutes. up there mm-hmm. beyond what we're doing. So everyone have a great rest of your week. Don't forget, we'll have the coaches show on the podcast platform and coaches corner. Go subscribe at SoonerSports.com/podcast. And until next time, Boomer Sooner, everybody. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.